Shall we just take a minute to to commit this time into the Lord's hands? Father, I thank you, Lord, that even as we start this year in your presence, Lord Father, you have given us a word and you're going to speak to every one of us, Lord Father. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will lay out the roadmap that we need to follow for this year, Lord Father. I pray, Lord, that you will give us instructions, Lord Father, that we can then activate in our life, Lord Father. And help us, Lord Father, to be sensitive to your word. That what you want us to do, we will do, Lord Father. We pray, Lord, that during the next 45 minutes or so, Lord, even as we share from your word, you will minister to each and every one of us. I thank you, I praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we have spoken about the promise of the year and the precept of the year, though that was my first question here to ask you what is the promise and the precept. I'm not going to repeat it. So I'm going to turn that around a little bit and say, what is the theme for this year? Holiness. Holiness is the theme for 2015. So please remember, we have a precept, which is the conditions that you need to follow. We have a promise, which is what God has said he's going to do for us. And throughout this year, we're going to be talking about holiness. That's going to be a way of life for each and every one of us. Okay, so that's the theme for 2015. Now, will you turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 35. And let's read verses 8 to 10. Isaiah chapter 35, verses 8 to 10. And let me read it from the New King James Version. A highway shall be there, and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Life is a journey. Now we all know that. We have ups and downs, we have potholes, we have obstacles, we... We have to change directions on and off. And like everything else that we have in life, there are choices to be taken and decisions to be made as we go along life's journey. The Bible tells us that there is a road worth traveling on and it is called the highway of holiness. It starts... In our past, and its destination is our heavenly home. So we have to be on that road. And there are things that can happen, but there are things that we can do to make sure that we remain on this highway of holiness. This highway of holiness is not meant for everyone. People who don't know the Lord would not be on that highway of holiness. People who are disobedient will not be on that highway of holiness. The unclean shall not be on it. 
The idolaters shall not be on it. The fornicators shall not be on it. Liars shall not be on it. But I pray that every one of us will be on that highway of holiness. Because its destination point is the point that we all want to end up in. And that is the presence of God. The throne room of God. A time will come when we will have to leave this earth. And the choices you make, the decisions you take, will determine how long you remain on that highway of holiness. We need to pursue peace. We need to pursue holiness. It doesn't fall down from heaven. It can't be plucked off a tree. You can't walk into a bank and buy it. You have to work at it. And we have to work at it all the time to remain on that highway of holiness. Now, as we walk along this highway of holiness, and as we travel along this highway of holiness, there are a few attitudes that we need to follow. Now, I'm going to be talking of something slightly different than what we spoke of some couple of months back. But we shall look at some of these attitudes that will keep us on the highway of holiness. These are things that we could hope to pursue to remain on the highway of holiness. And therefore, the title of my message simply is The Highway of Holiness, To Be or Not to Be. The Highway of Holiness, To Be or Not to Be. The first few attitudes that I'll be talking about will be the not-to-be attitudes. Okay, and then we'll move on to the to-be attitudes. So number one, do not be a complainer. Do not be a complainer. Turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verse 1. Numbers, chapter 11, verse 1. And this is what it says. Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. You see, your complaints are heard by the Lord. Your complaints might be in your heart. You might not be vocalizing it. Very often we do, we murmur. But any form of complaint is recorded by the Lord. And the Bible tells us, that it displeases the Lord. It arouses his anger. You are a child of God. You have no right to complain. You have a right to walk into the presence of your father and say, this is what I want. Can I talk to you? Because Jesus said, ask and it will be given. He never said, murmur, and it will be given. He never said, complain about it, and you are likely to get it. You see, he said, ask, but don't complain. So the one thing we shouldn't do to remain on this highway of holiness is do not be a complainer. You see, this constant feeling of dissatisfaction of some of us, that some of us carry 
We think that we carry the whole burden of the whole world. That's an illusion. You're not carrying anybody's burdens. Okay. Others are carrying their own burdens. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about this world. God knows how to take care of it. Okay. So to assume, to think that my life is full of burdens. At work I have trouble. At work I am carrying so much of burden. At home I am carrying burden. My finances I am carrying burdens. In church I am carrying burdens. Well, I can understand our children, school-going children, they have bags which weigh about 18 kilos. That, I understand, is a burden. Okay, but for those of us who don't carry those kinds of physical bags, we really have nothing to complain about. So this year, let us decide, now itself, that we shall stop complaining. We shall stop complaining about our church. We shall stop complaining about our jobs. We shall stop complaining about our neighbors. We shall stop complaining about our spouse. We shall stop complaining about our parents. We shall stop complaining about our children. We shall stop complaining about whatever. Because that's what we are good at. The sound system is not good. Something's wrong with the walls. Something's wrong with the roof. Okay, complaints. But you will see later, you need to be a problem solver. So you have a problem with the walls? Find a solution. Be a problem solver. Okay, but don't be a complainer. Remember, you and I are not perfect. I'm not a perfect person. For me to be complaining about somebody else, I have big issues in my eye for me to be able to look at you and say that, oh, you have a problem. Your issue may be a small problem. I have bigger issues. I can't be complaining about you because I'm totally an imperfect person. So let's, let, why should I go around complaining? So number one, do not be a complainer. Number two, do not be a divider. Do not be a divider. Romans 16 verse 17 now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learnt, and avoid them. Acts 15, verse 1. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Bringing in divisions. It must be done this way only. This is my tradition. This is my custom. This is the way my ancestors did it. If you're so particular that you want to follow what your ancestors did, please give up your car. Your ancestors had horses. Please give up your cell phones. Your ancestors used smoke signals. If you do wish to follow your ancestors, follow them 100%. Don't be selective. Okay, because many of these customs that we try to use are divisive materials. They are issues which bring in division. 
do not hide behind this story of customs, traditions that cause division among brethren. Causing divisions within the church or even in your home. Divisions between brothers. Divisions between sisters. Divisions between brothers and sisters. Divisions between parents and children. Is equal to amputation. Okay. If a limb is amputated from my body, it is divided and taken away from me. It's split out of my body. What does that make me? I am deformed. I am handicapped. So if we try to bring division within the family, if we try to bring division within the church, if we try to bring division within our offices, we are actually handicapping ourselves. And then we come and say, Victor and I, please pray for this situation. I want unity. I want peace. But you are a divider. So instruction number two, don't be a divider. Number three, don't be a doubter. Do not be a doubter. Numbers chapter 14, verse 34. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days. For each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. This was the punishment given to the nation of God when they doubted him. The spies went into the land and they spied the land for 40 days and they came out and they doubted. That was the report. They doubted whether they could survive in the land where God was taking them. The punishment for every day of doubt. They had to traverse the deserts for a year. 40 days of doubt, 40 years of traveling. Ask yourself this question. Is it really worth doubting God? Where is it going to get you? You doubt God. The punishment is multiplied many times. It's not God who suffers. It's you and I who suffer. So if we want to remain on this highway of holiness, if we want to pursue the peace that God wants us to pursue, if we want us to benefit of all the blessings that God has been speaking to us in this promise and in other promises, remember, do not be a doubter. Because doubt is going to get you nowhere. Doubt is opposite of faith. You and I are expected to work in faith, to live a life of faith. I've said this before and I'll say it again. God does not respond to doubt. God responds to faith. Show faith, God responds. 
Show doubt, God says, wait. Number four, do not be a soloist. I'm not talking about the praise and worship team. I'm not talking about a choir if you are a singer. Okay, but I'm talking about don't be alone. Okay, don't be a soloist. Don't be a person who says a prima donna. I want to do it myself. I don't want anybody around me. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. You and I are created to help someone else. You and I are saved to serve someone else. If God thought that you and I would actually do better if we were by ourselves, don't have to be with others, but just be by, by myself, each one of us, God probably would have built mountains for each and every one of us. That you and I could each pick up one mountain and go and sit on the top of that and do whatever we wanted to do. But you and I are not meant to be soloists. You and I are meant to be there for each other. God expects that from us. God says, I placed you there next to that brother. I placed you there next to that sister. Why? Because the solution to that brother's problem or the solution to that sister's problem I have given to you. That brother has, that child of mine is sending me a prayer request and I am sending him the answer but the answer is going through you. That's the way God works. So God says, don't be a soloist. Okay, be with others. Number five, do not be a victim, but be an overcomer. Do not have a victim mentality. First John chapter four, verse four. First John chapter four, verse four. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who is in you? Ask yourself that question today and answer that question. Who is in you? Do you know? If you know who is in you and if you know that he is greater than he who is in the world, then you should clearly understand that you have no option other than being a victor. You cannot be a victim because the one who is in you cannot be a victim. He is a victor. If Jesus Christ is in you, if you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior and he resides in you, even if you want to be a victim, it is not possible. So don't have that victim mentality because the victor is already there in you. You are a victor, you are an overcomer if Christ is in you. But what we need to do is we need to be able to express that. 
We need to be able to show that out. I am a victor in all situations. Why do we have this victim mentality? Very often, it is just to gain the sympathy of those around us. Go with you know, shoulders bowed down. And then somebody will come and say, Brother, something wrong? Oh, yes, brother. You, know. you want to now start off your gossip. Your exaggerated assumptions will all come out at that point. This is victim mentality. And yet we say, when you talk, don't give negative talk, make it positive. Don't have a victim mentality. Matthew 10, verse 22. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. See, that is the character that we need to develop for this year. If there's one character you need to develop, develop the character of endurance. Be an overcomer. See the change at the end of the year. It is time for us to stop mourning and groaning and assuming that the whole world is against us. Everybody in my office is against me. I'm a victim of everything. Okay, it's time to stop mourning and groaning. You see, we have been going through a, a study in ourselves. And if you were really serious about Revelation 2 and 3, you will know that that was the letters to the churches. The ending of every letter is how to be an overcomer. If that has not meant anything to you, if you haven't learned from that, ask yourself the question, why am I really going to the cell? Is it for the dinner that follows? Or is it because I have nothing else to do? Because the objective of the study is to change lives. To know what the word of God says and to change lives. So Revelation 2 and 3 is the current. Revelation 2 and 3 talks about the state of seven churches. And in every one of them, there is a command to overcome. If you overcome, these are the blessings that you have. You are expected to be an overcomer. If that is not really being achieved in ourselves, then we might as well meet every week over dinner to compete and decide who is the biggest victim of the week. So instead of having a testimony time to glorify God, we will have a testimony time to decide who is to be crowned the biggest victim of the week. Okay, so we need to change our thinking. Change. Don't be a victim. Don't have a victim mentality. Be an overcomer. You see, let's go out and show the world that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. 
You see, all of these nice, powerful statements are usually made within the four walls of the church. But after we go out, we forget these words. But these are words which you, which you should actually apply outside. Go out and show the world that he who is in you is greater than he who is out there in the world. Okay, and you are a victor. Let the whole world look at you confused. That's their problem. In fact, you'll feel better if get, people get confused. Try it out. Anybody who's a teacher here will know that. Brother Kenneth is a teacher, so am I. So our main task is to confuse students. Okay, you feel better at the end of it. So we now move to the B. We have done with the do not be, now let's move to the B. Be a problem solver. Okay, be a problem solver. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between him and you, between, between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Okay. It's very cru- the, the words are very crucially put here. It says that if your brother sins against you, go and tell him and solve the problem. Okay? Now, what is our normal attitude? If my brother sins against me, I'm going to put up a long face and I'm going to say, he has got to come and apologize to me. He did something wrong to me. He's got to come. But that's not what the Bible tells us. He says, if your brother has sinned against you, you go. Okay, so if I realize that one of you has sinned against me, it's my responsibility to come to you and sort out the problem. What's this misunderstanding? What's the issue? If I have done something to you, Don't expect me to come to you to apologize. That's the worldly way. That's what the world expects. But the Bible tells us something different. If I have done something wrong to you, come up to me and say, let's sort this out. Let's sit down, let's discuss it. Because by the time the sun sets, you and I need to have peace with each other. Pursue peace. So be a problem solver. Proverbs 18 verse 17. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. Which essentially means this. Look at both sides of the picture. Look at every side of the picture before taking a decision. We often take decisions based on one side of the story. That one side of the story is always embellished with things that that party wants you to hear. That party always wants to paint himself or herself as the victim. And so will come and paint a picture to you which demonizes the other person. But you need to listen to the other person. 
If there are more people involved, you need to listen to every part of it. Okay, so if you are a problem solver, you don't react to a problem by just looking at one part of the issue. You look at the whole thing, you take a step back and you see what's the problem. Where are things going wrong? Because you and I are called to be problem solvers. God expects that of us. When Christ walked on this earth, he solved problems. When he met the blind man, he said, what's your problem? And the blind man said, I can't see. So Jesus says, so what do you want me to do for you? The blind man says, give me sight. Here's sight. To the deaf man, Jesus gave him hearing. To the dumb, Jesus loosed his tongue. And he was able to speak. So Jesus was a problem solver. People had problems. And they came to Jesus with the problem. Now when Jesus went up to heaven to sit at the right side of God the Father. Till his coming again. He has placed you and me to do the same task. See if he could have given the task to uh, 100 million angels. Who are ministering in heaven. He could have told them now go down. And minister, make the blind see, make the lame walk, make the dumb speak. Okay. Uh, drive out the demons from the demon possessed. He could have said that. And the angels would have done it. But God said, no. I've got my people. Currently they are called the bread of life. Fellowship. I've given them this task. They are my problem solvers. So whose problem are you trying to solve today? There is somebody around you who has a problem. Just look around. There is somebody around you having a problem. God has placed you where you are because you are the solution to someone's problem. This year, learn to look around. Find out where the problem is. Solve that problem. Be a problem solver. Number seven. Be alive and lively. Psalm 118 verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You and I are expected to express the joy of the Lord in our lives at all times. It is not for us to walk through life like zombies. Okay, that is not our portion. You and I need to have life. You and I need to have joy of the Lord on our faces at all times. Now, do you know that there's something called the dead fish handshake? You know that? I'm addressing this specifically to the ushers. Okay. Now, when you welcome someone at the door, give that person a hearty handshake. Shake his body and awaken every dead cell. Now, when the person comes and sits down, for the rest of the service, even the chair is vibrating. 
Okay. That's the joy that we need to show. Okay. We need to have life in us. Okay. We need to have life in us. Okay. Be alive. Be lively at all times. You see, you and I are called to be holy. We know that. But please, don't equate being holy with no laughter, no jokes, no fun. Which is what you see in some places. Serious. No turning left or right. If that is holiness, I doubt God is holy. God is fun-loving. God loves to have fun with you and with me. Clean fun. When you laugh, God wants to laugh with you. When you talk, he wants to talk with you. When you sing, he wants to sing with you. Just because he's God does not mean that he's uh, sober, no humor, no jokes, no laughter. Can you imagine that heaven, no laughter? Why would I go there? To live the rest of my life where there's no laughter? Get, get our thinking right. Laughter is part of us. Laughter is part of being a Christian. Joy is part of being Christian. Humor is part of being a person living as a Christian. Okay, crack jokes. No issues there. Okay, don't equate holiness with no jokes, no laughter, no fun, nothing. Now in just a few minutes, many of you will be coming up to the Lord's table. Now please remember... When you come up, come with the joy of the Lord on your face. You are not coming for the Lord's funeral. That was over. Okay, that's done with. Okay. We are celebrating life. We are celebrating victory when we come up here. So let's have some smiles on your face. You know, when I was a youngster, a youth, I happened to go to a church where we had to go up front for the communion. We had one cup and one plate with the elements on it, and everybody would go. Inch by inch forward, you know. Can't look left or right. No smiling, nothing. Till suddenly we had a new reverend who came into that church. And the next thing he does, he goes up to the pulpit and says, I invite all of you to come to the funeral of the Lord this week. So everybody's surprised. He said, well, I, that's what I see you guys coming. It reminds me of the funeral of the Lord. Okay, but I'm not going to serve you bread and wine if you're coming to the funeral. You come, we'll pray, you go. You're coming for the bread and the wine. Look up. Come like a victor. You won the victory at the cross. So why are you coming like this? Come like that. Walk like a lord. You are a lord. 
Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords. You are the Lords. Now how do you walk when you are a Lord? You walk with your shoulder pushed back. Your head held high. That's where we need to live life. I've asked a couple of my orthopedic uh, friends, not that I have many, I have a few, to give me these iron uh, rods which they use to prop up the spine. Okay, and I intend bringing it here. So if I see people, if, if I see people walking around like this, I'll tie it up to your back. Okay. We need victors. So be alive. Lively. Eight. Be a scholar of the word. Make it a decision today that this year you're going to study the word of God. This year you're going to study the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. When the word of the Lord is in my heart, I am reminded every time the world tries to draw me away. Every time sin pops its head up, the word of God in me tells me, hold it, that's not what Christ wants. That's not what God the Father wants. How do I know that? Because the word of God says so. So have the word of God in you. Acts 17 verse 11. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. In that they received the word with all readiness. We are talking about the Bereans. And they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. See, the Bereans knew very well that any person speaking from the word of God is still a man. Is not God. Is still a man. Mistakes are prone to happen. Wrong words may be used. Wrong understanding may sometimes be there. And so they said, that's okay. You do what you have to do. But I'm going back home. I'm going to take the word of God and I'm going to countercheck it. I'm going to study the word of God and see whether that is actually so or not. And that is what the Bereans used to do. And that is what you and I are called to do. We are expected to become scholars of the word. We are expected to go deep into the word. Decide that in 2015 our reading shall not be superficial. We shall go into the depth of the word. We shall go deep down and say, what is God trying to tell us? How am I going to activate this in my life? What am I going to do about this one? Okay, go deep into the scriptures. Now we need to set time apart every day when we can spend quality time with God and his word. Now that time is the biggest problem. Find time. Do you have to switch off the TV to find time? Switch off the TV. Do you have to cook one dish less in order to find time to read the word of God? Cook one or two dishes less. Doesn't matter. 
Do you have to sleep less to find more time? Do that. Do something, but find time to study the word of God. In Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, this is what it is written. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. You've got to eat the word of God. You've got to digest it, assimilate it. Not just put it near, you know, wine testers, the people who test the quality of wine, they would take a little wine, put it into their mouth, move it around here and there, and spit it out. And then they go for the next testing. Okay, that is what many of us do with the word of God. We take a little bit of the word of God, move it around in our mouth a little bit here and there, try to understand one or two points out of that, and then the word of God is thrown out. But this year, let us decide that we're going to find time, that we're going to study the word deep. We're going to use commentaries. We're going to use other material. We're going to use different versions of the Bible to understand what God is telling us. Let's not get into disputes of whether the King James Version is better than the New Living Translation or the Jerusalem Bible is better than the New International Version. Okay, if you wish to have that dispute, we will organize. We'll ask Pastor Sean to, or Sister Wendy to organize a men's ministry or a women's ministry meeting exclusively for discussion of disputes. Okay, but the rest of the time, use every available resource to study the Word of God. In Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, we read of how Ezekiel was asked, and I just take a small piece, to eat the scroll. And to go and speak to the house of Israel. Eat the scroll. Let it be digested. Let it be assimilated. Let it be absorbed. Let it pass through every part of your body. Let it travel. Let the word of God travel in your blood. Let it infiltrate every cell. And then go and talk about it. As days go by we will soon realize that the only thing that can sustain us over time is the word of God. Uh, I do have a question at this point. How many of you right now are, are on an emergency call duty? You may get a phone at any time. Anybody here on emergency call duty? Pastor is, yes. Anybody else? Okay, so pastor is exempted. The rest of you, let me ask you a question. Since you are not an emergency call duty, why is your phone switched on? Why is your mobile phone on? Your car is not on, am I right? Your car you switched off. I mean, you could have switched it on and left it so that the minute you finish service here, you can fly into your car and fly home. But you haven't done that. You have switched it off. You're not an emergency call now. So why is your phone on? Okay, some of you may tell me, see this guy, old guy is not tech savvy. Okay, uh, 
there may be some of you here you know who 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 have put the bible into your uh, smartphone okay that's okay okay you don't have this uh, but you've got the bible and the smartphone and you've got different versions which you can refer to immediately if that's so that's absolutely fine please use that but please put the phone on flight mode you know what flight mode is you won't get signals okay so no message can come from outside neither can you send a message outside but you can still use your bible because your phone is on okay it's becoming a problem in all churches the phone the smartphone because this has become the method by which people outside keep trapping you when you are in church when you are in prayer when you are trying to study the word of god that's when you will get a call that's when you will get a message which you assume you have to respond to immediately okay you assume that you are such an important person that you have to respond to that message immediately because that person's kidney function and liver functions depends on your response believe me none of us are that important that person can survive very well without your return message okay so so let's let's learn where we are focusing okay this year let's decide that we are going to spend time with the word of god if we have to put away something else we need to put away something else there are too many trappings around us which are trapping us but we need to put them away number 9 be a champion of prayer james chapter 5 verse 17 elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for 3 years and 6 months elijah was not an extraordinary man neither are you or me extraordinary people we are ordinary people elijah was an ordinary man but we serve an extraordinary god and there is power in prayer elijah knew that he prayed there was no rain he prayed the rain came back you and i need to be champions of prayer you and i need to be able to do the same thing that when we pray it is done we need to be champions of prayer we need to be having that kind of activate that kind of authority which the lord jesus christ has deposited in each and every one of us because that's what jesus christ said he said you will do everything that i have done and more you will do everything that i have done and more but it doesn't happen without prayer and without prayer and fasting we need to be champions of prayer i use a quote which i have quoted in the past this was a statement i heard a few years back in our cell when a sister mentioned this one now when in distress do you run to the throne or do you run to the phone 
When in distress, do you run to the throne or do you run to the phone? You should be able to answer that. My final point is this. Be a person of peace. Be a person of peace. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14. Our precept for this year. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Romans 12.18 If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If you actually read that passage, Romans 12, verses 13 to 20, 21, or to the ending, I think it's verse 20. These are the characteristics that a Christian must follow every day. What is expected of a Christian? And every statement is a straightforward directive statement. It says, do this, do this, do this, do this. But when it comes to this particular point, verse 18 of Romans 12, it's written this way. If it is possible... As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Every other statement is simply like, live peaceably with all men. But here, says, if it is possible, that means it is something that is not going to be automatic for all of us. Because the automatic thing for all of us is to fight. Whether we know how to fight, whether we are right, whether there is justification or not, we want to retaliate. The first murder took place because of a retaliation. It was a fight. And so we are always ready to fight without understanding why we even need to fight. But the Bible tells us if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And our precept for this year is pursue peace and holiness. Pursue peace. So you need to be, I need to be, every one of us needs to be a person of peace. If we can just practice that, that aspect and come to the end of 2015 as a man of peace, as a woman of peace, believe me, that will be part of us. 2016, we will not need to talk about peace because it will be in us. It will be part of us. We will get something else for 2016. God will give us something else at that particular point where we need to correct ourselves. But for this year, pursue peace. King David was a man after God's own heart. While King Solomon was declared as a man of peace. The father, King David, was a man after God's own heart. The son was a man after peace. And as a man of peace, Solomon was authorized to build the temple. David wanted to build the temple, but God said, no, there's too much of blood on your hands. You're not going to build my temple. But your son will do it, and he will be a man of peace. Yes, we could look back on Solomon and say that he had other issues. That's true. He was not a perfect man. But God decreed that during the reign of Solomon, there would be peace. 
Now you and I need to be David's and Solomon's combined. We need to have the character of David. We need to have the character of Solomon. We need to be people after God's own heart. But we also need to be builders of temples. Now which temple are you going to build? The Bible tells us that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You just need to build up this temple. The place where the Holy Spirit resides. If you can just build that up, you are a Solomon. Maybe it will be recorded in heaven that the next wise man after King Solomon has come from the bread of life in Muscat. Because you have recognized that you need to be a person of peace and you need to build the temple of God. Can we do that for 2015? I mean, it's not difficult. We do a lot of difficult things. We are sending, I don't know, maybe somebody here is involved. You are sending missions to Mars. Maybe somebody has applied for a one-way ticket to Mars. I don't know. I asked my wife whether we could do it. She kind of looked at me with a strange look, which, which told me, keep quiet. Okay, so, I, so I decided that Mars was not an option for me. Earth is my option. Okay. God's promise to us this year, as we have said, and I'm going to repeat it and then we close, is Leviticus 26, verse 6. He shall give us peace in this land that we may lie down and none shall make us afraid. He will rid the land of evil beasts and no sword shall go through our land. Let us pray. Is this not what the highway of holiness is all about? It is for the redeemed in Christ. It is for those who pursue peace. There shall be no evil person or evil beasts in it. And you and I, as the redeemed, shall walk on it to our heavenly home. Our promise for this year is that we shall have peace in this land. None shall make us afraid. He will rid the land of evil beasts. No sword shall go through our land. If you and I can just get off our high horses, banish arrogance and obstinacy from our lives, cultivate the right attitude in our lives, 2015 shall truly be a fulfilling and phenomenal year for us. Do not be a complainer. Do not be a divider. Do not be a doubter. Do not be a soloist. Do not have a victim mentality, but be an overcomer. Be a problem solver. Be alive and lively. Be a scholar of the word. Be a champion of prayer. Be a person of peace.
In Jesus' name we pray. Now it's a time for us to go to the Lord's table. As we heard the word and heard about what is the Lord's table. What is the Lord's table? It is a celebration. Amen? Lord's table is the celebration. Why? Why is a celebration? He won the victory. For whom? For us. So we are the victors. Amen? Those who have accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior, and those who have obeyed Him, they are all victors. So, victors over sin. Amen? And it is a time for us to, whenever we come to the Lord's table, to celebrate. We have to come as, the, come as a victorer. Amen? So, that means, how we will come as a victorious? In my experience, I can say, if we have any sin in us, you will have guilt. That guilt will not let you to smile. You cannot express your joy to the others or to your neighbor. If you feel that you are free from your sin and your conscience is clear, definitely your heart will be filled with the joy and the joy will be expressed in your faces. Amen? You agree? So now, let us go to the last table. I will read it once again for the verse which we used to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 16 from verse 23 onwards. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. And do this. As often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many are asleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chosen by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. When we come to the Lord's table, it remains us three things. As usually I used to say, 
He reminds us, as Jesus said, remember, remember. So what do you remember today? Remember three things, the three tense. The past, the present, and the future. That was the summary of it. What is the past? The past was Jesus Christ gave himself as a lamb to be crucified on our behalf. That has to be remembered. What is the things to remember the present? At this present, it is we have, when we take this bread and the wine, we should remember that we are fellowshipping with one another as if Jesus, along with Jesus Christ, as he heard the Lord's Supper along with his disciples. So when we come to the Lord's Supper, we should remember we are the disciple and Jesus Christ is the Lord. We are taking, partaking in that Lord's table that should remember that we are at the present fellowshipping together. Come in union together. Come in union, that is, understanding his word, believing his word, believing his, his, de uh, his death, and accepting and rejoicingly our salvation. Because of this, we are assured of our salvation. And that will be a joy to us. Third thing what we remember about the past is, it reminds us of his coming. That is what even the last 2014, even we ended with and proclaimed and proved that and as an acceptance, the Lord's coming is soon. So the Lord said, the last word. So we know the last words are very important. So he said, last word to his disciple along with this Lord's table, I will come. Do this in remembrance of me. So, and also here, proclaim this until he comes. So when we come to the last table, remember three things, and also in the future, rejoice when we come. So to you to rejoice, now is the time to close your eyes, examine yourself, don't examine others, examine yourself. If you feel that God is reminding you that you have a sin in you, time to confess before him. Prepare your hearts. Close your eyes. Pray to the Lord. I cannot pray for you, you can pray for yourself. Confess before him. He is always with you. He is in you. The Spirit of God is in you. He is the one who remains you. If you confess now, He will forgive you as well. Immediately. Then you can come as a victor to rejoicingly take part in this last table. Father, we thank you for the bread and wine which you kept before us. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that you given to us. Lord, we thank you for the victory that you won on our behalf. Now we are the victorious. Lord, if any of us have any sin in us which is not forgiven, forgive us now. Give us the grace.
Lord, help us to rejoice when we come together to take part in this table which you prepare us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we announce, those who have accepted the Lord and obey the Lord in the waters of baptism, you are free to come and uh, take part in this lost table which is prepared for us. Grace. 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 Grace.
Let's be on our feet, please. You have taken the blood and the flesh of Jesus. And the Bible says, Jesus, it was said of him, the prince of this world came into me. He came to check whether I have seen him in. And he found nothing. Jesus lived a perfect life. A perfect life of holiness. I want you to pray. Say, Lord, because I've taken your flesh, because I've taken your blood, I receive grace to be holy like you are holy. Go ahead and pray that prayer. I receive grace to be holy like you are holy. I want the devil to find, to check, to see everything and see nothing that he could hold on to. God was boastful of Job. Say, Satan, come. Have you found my servant Job that is blameless? Blameless, a man that feared the Lord. Say, Lord, grant me the grace because I've taken your blood and your flesh to be blameless, to be holy in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Romans fourteen seventeen. See, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We have been taken through the highways of holiness this morning. And the highways of holiness is all about living a lifestyle of the kingdom of God here on earth. Jesus said, in Matthew 16, Thy kingdom come, that will be done in heart as it is in heaven. In heaven, it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What to pray? Pray at this afternoon. You need the Holy Ghost to be holy child of God. Say, Holy Spirit, I need you like never before. Please help me. Be in me. He said, I will send you the comforter, the teacher. He will teach you all things. He will remind you of all things. Say, Holy Spirit, I need your companion this year. If they say, yeah, you need to walk in the consciousness of the companion of the Holy Spirit is this year. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you. I need you. Holy Spirit, please Help me to go through this year with a pure heart, with the lifestyle, the lifestyle of the kingdom of God here on heart. Say, let thy kingdom come. Let thy kingdom come that will be done here on heart as it is in heaven. I want to live my life as it is in heaven. I want to live a kingdom lifestyle in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, help me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. So I declare as you go this week, the grace to be holy, receive in the name of Jesus. Say, give us this day our daily bread. Which means you need a daily load of grace to be holy. 
You don't need the grace to be holy for the whole year. All you need is the grace to be holy every day. If you can be holy every day, what happens? You are holy the rest of your life. And so I decree from henceforth, every day of this year, the grace to be holy is released unto us in the name of Jesus. No more struggle with sin in the name of Jesus. No more struggle with disobedience in the name of Jesus. Our lifestyle shall be that of Jesus in the name of Jesus. And peace all around shall be our portion in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We give you all praise. We give you all praise. When we come this time next week, we are coming with loads of testimonies in the name of Jesus. Thank you, blessed Redeemer. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. The grace of God and fellowship, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Holiness and peace go in grace of God in Jesus' name.